0: You are listening to Nerd Best Friends, a podcast that covers the nerdy conversations you're already having, or wish you could. It's the nerdiest thing you'll do this week. Welcome back to another episode of Nerd Best Friends. I am Annalise, and I'm here with my best friend, Rob. Rob. Hey, it's me, Rob, your best friend, your super nerd, and your podcast host. Nerd Best Friends can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and follow us now. If you would like to support our podcast, subscribe to Nerd Best Friends on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Or if you'd like to give a one-time donation, find us at Nerd Best Friends on Venmo. This is episode 43, and our annual segment, I've Seen This Before, brings us two very large nerd communities as we compare Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But first, what I like about it.
1: For this episode, what I like about it, I'm going to revisit something I know I've kind of talked about a few times because it keeps coming up, but it's going to be old school D&D novels. And this is a movement or a project that at the time TSR, which was the company that owned Dungeons and Dragons before Wizards of the Coast, part of their marketing, part of their push for their product was to hire a bunch of authors, fantasy writers, and pump out content. Just make books and maybe novels. So we're talking uh, very late 70s, very early 80s. Like this was a way to bring people into the hobby, bring people into the game. It's like, okay, who is our target audience? Nerds that like fantasy stuff. So what can we do to get them involved? Let's just make a bunch of fantasy stuff. These nerds read fantasy books. Let's just flood the market with fantasy books and they all tie into the way our worlds work. And they've got our monsters and they've got our hero archetypes from the game, but we're telling stories with these novels. And what I like about these books is it feels like just that. It's a world that... For me, I'm familiar with from playing the game for all of these decades. It's very comfortable to see, oh, this kind of dragon and it does this. Or, oh, they come around the corner and here's a beholder. Here's a displacer beast. Here's a whatever. It's like, I know what that is. And it seems like, oh, how cool. This is... They're playing in my playground, you know, the playground that we've all been sharing for a while. They're in here telling the story of what a Dungeons and Dragons adventure could be, but it's in a long form novel, three act structure kind of thing. There are certainly like favorite authors, Ed Greenwood, R.A. Salvatore, Tracy Hickman, Margaret Wise. There's all of these folks that made a great living making these books. And what was cool is a ton of those books are like best selling, you know, novels and stuff. Because people were hungry for it at that time. And you know, it was cool then, but they're cool now because it's fun to see how things haven't changed or maybe Mm. have changed in the game world and in the, that that Dungeons and Dragons Mm. realm. You know, sometimes authors really felt like I would compare it to comic book movies. Remember how (laughs) comic book movies were a thing and the more they felt like a comic book say, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies or, like, the really early Batman movies where it was like, we're trying to bring you the comic book experience in a movie with the way they frame things and shot things. Some of these authors would do the same thing with these books where you can you could hear the dice rolling while you're reading it because it's like, oh, oh sure. they cast yeah. a spell, but they can't cast that spell again. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, because they burnt the spell slot, but they don't say it in that way. But there's effort to make it seem like there's a turn base and that there's like the rules to the universe and stuff that fit with the rules of the game at those certain times. But then there's also those authors who looked at it the other way and it was like you could tell they had a story about a character that they wanted to tell and they're just putting this other skin on top of it but it was story first game world after so you kind of go back and forth on those but going back now and seeing like man I read a ton of these books. I had like the whole Harper series and the whole Ravenloft series and the whole Dark Sun series. And like, I would just go and collect these books like crazy. And to look at those now and see the old covers or scroll through Audible and see what's available Mm -hmm, and things mm -hmm. like that. I'm like, oh, I remember that book. I remember that book. And it's like, I read way more D&D novels than I did play D&D ages 12 through 25 Oh, interesting. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it feels like I've been playing this game forever, you right. know. And I think it's because like that all mixes together with what I know about the worlds from those books, and and that's what I like about it.
0: Right on. And you know, it's funny. I don't know that I've read any. I don't think I've ever read any, I unless so, I read unless, one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unless I read one on accident that I didn't know was a D and D novel. But I don't think that's possible. I have trouble with books. That uh, extend a universe. Mm. It comes off as fan fiction to me, and sometimes deviates. I guess it doesn't work for D D because D D is what you make of it. The story is different every time you play it. But I have trouble like reading a Star Wars. Like I, I, I went yeah. to the, I went to the my local comic book store. And they had a new novel, it's like New York Times bestseller about Ahsoka. And I look at it and it's not connected at all to the series or any appearances by that character. It comes off like fan fiction to me. And I got stuck on that with Buffy Comics. I bought these graphic novels and all they were were like little one shots, if you will, that were loosely based on the fact that it was Buffy Summers and, 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 and the characters that were there, but the storyline really wasn't anything. So I struggle with that. So it's nice to hear that if you, if you enjoy playing D and D, these novels can help amplify that experience rather than it being something wonky and out of
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is really what the crux of it is is with these it's the opposite effect. I know exactly what you're talking about about those extended universe things like I started reading the Star Wars comics just a few years ago when Marvel got them back from sure, Dark yeah. Horse and yeah. started redoing them and it's like oh this is a story that takes place in between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and it's you know Leia and Luke going on on an adventure or Leia and Han going on an adventure for the real... And it's like, there's no sense of danger or urgency in a book like that because we know what happens next already. You know what I mean? Like nothing is going to happen that's not going to end with everybody alive and well and status quo for the character because they can't change it or develop it in any way. With D&D, the problem that D&D has that's opposite of those other fictions is there are no heroes in the game. You're the hero in the game. Dungeons and Dragons main characters are the monsters and the bad guys which makes it difficult to do things like film adaptations and comic book adaptations. However, now that we're 30, 40 years away from just that slew of novels that came out, we have those characters and we have those heroes. So looking back at the novels, it's like, oh yeah, Drizzt Erden and his pals are things that we know millions of people have read because we have the numbers on that, right? The Baldur's Gate video game series had, you know, main characters in it, like Minsk and stuff like that. And so now in kind of the end of 5th edition and going into 6th edition, we're seeing those people from the novels 30 years ago okay. are now in the books today. Mm,
0: right? okay, okay.
1: Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, Tasha is a character from those books, right? Volo's Guide to Monster, Volo is a character Got from it. those Got books, it. right? When you're running through Icewind Dale and Drizzt Worden shows up, spoiler alert, like it's because like that's a everybody knows that character from these wildly popular books from 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting kind of flip yeah. that maybe makes and, it why it's different.
0: And I want to say that I think there is a place for fan fiction. I am not against fan fiction. It's, it's a genre itself. I I am not against people loving characters so much that they extend the universe on their own imagination. It doesn't mean necessarily that it's something I would pick off the shelves. You know, I think you and I have both wrote fan fiction of some sort just as inner jokes. I remember you wrote, I think you wrote one about Bo and Luke Duke at one point. Duke's a hazard. That we still kind <laughs> kind of like joke about right but that, yeah. you didn't write that to to publish it you wrote that because we were a, I wrote you know, that because I had a job
1: that was extremely <laughs> boring and I was in my 20s and had a lot of creative energy
0: <laughs> yeah and you know I wrote a I wrote an extension on the musical rent like well, an epilogue of my own just again in my 20s at some point just uh, let me write this and it wasn't anything I shared it with a few friends but there is a place for fan fiction I just What I like about these things is when it's done in a manner that doesn't erode the storyline or the intention of the original. So I think what's really cool about what you're bringing up with the D&D novels is is that doesn't happen. It's a continuous extension. And the fact that D&D really doesn't have a storyline base, it has a purpose base and a game base. So Mm -hmm. that's really cool. Shout out to Juliana, who jumped in at our highest level. Thank you, Juliana. Heck yeah, there we go. We live to fight
1: another day because we have a new Patreon subscriber that we can shout out. Thank you very much.
0: And now it's time for some Nerd Mail. Nerd Mail! So, Rob, we did get some nerd mail regarding episode 41 and Spider-Man. In that episode, we talked about why Andrew Garfield did not get to film or record The Amazing Spider-Man 3. In the episode, we talked about the writer strike that happened at the time in about 2015, 2014, whenever that writer strike was. 2015? And we had our, something like no, that. Yeah. so Somewhere around there. We did get a reader to write in and talk and let us know that it was a combination of things. My thought in the episode was that Andrew Garfield was fired as Spider-Man because of you
1: had mentioned that, like he was yeah. he was problematic or something like that. I, 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 like, remember, I don't think that was the reason.
0: I remember hearing something like that, but it was a it was a couple of things. So the the listener, thank you for writing in. Let us know that number one, Amazing Spider-Man three was pushed from a 2016 release to 2018 release, okay. and that happened because of the writers strike. But what happened after that was that who is it that owns Spider-Man? Sony?
1: It was Sony at the time, or okay. I guess it still is. It's still Sony, right? Sony, and we know that Sony s- sucks. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> be- beyond that, when we got that push from 2016 to 2018, they started in negotiations with Marvel and the MCU to include Spider-Man in eventually the Tom Holland in Civil War. and, and, and. So those neg- negotiations started, and when those started, they realized they're going to need the young Spider-Man back instead of the adult Spider-Man. So they just, canned Uh. the making of Spider-Man 3. But Andrew Garfield was fired because he was problematic for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 in terms of his public appearances overseas. And it might have been a miscommunication. This isn't anything Is not anything against Andrew Garfield, but apparently he flew somewhere and felt really sick and bailed on some appearances overseas because he got sick. And Sony took that as dismissal of the importance of the release of Spider-Man overseas, let him go at the same time they were negotiating for Spider-Man's inclusion in the MCU. So it was a combination of those things.
1: It's an interesting conversation to have, especially for like our younger listeners who maybe don't remember the 90s. But in the 90s, there was a big comic books revolution with artists and writers who were kind of sick of the factory system of Marvel and DC and just having to churn out content, you know, week after week, month after month. And there was an increase in demand because there was a decrease in sales. Video right. games were getting better and the internet was coming online and people weren't buying as many comics. So the answer was work harder, work faster and not a lot of compensation and those kinds of things. So we've got people like Rob Liefeld and other others who broke away from the big two and started their own independent comics. Image comics came from came this that, right. revolution, right? Or this, this exodus. And just the idea of self publishing and comic book writers and artists, the pinnacle career goal no longer had to be drawing backgrounds for Spider-Man, right? It could right. be like, no, I can I can do my own thing, and someone will pick it up. There's more publishers right. now, etc. And so with that loss from Marvel, Marvel went bankrupt at one point because the, in uh, in the early 90s, because they weren't selling as many comic books, which meant they weren't selling as many action figures and these kinds of things. And they had set themselves up just to have a lot. When things were good yep. in the 70s and 80s, they expanded, 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 and then that crashed. And part of that bankruptcy thing was selling off some of their IP in order to stay in business. And so Sony took over, bought the rights to Spider-Man and all of the characters in and around surrounding Spider-Man, as well as Fantastic Four and all of the characters and things surrounding Fantastic Four. They were excited about it when it happened. That's when we got those Tobey Maguire Spider-Man yes. movies, which were yes. big budget, which were huge. And at the time, everybody was like, this is awesome. This is exactly what we needed. Like Spider-Man on the big screen looking good for the, you know, this is awesome. They also did a, a Fantastic Four movie, which was not as good, <laughs> but in that right, kind of same right. vein, right? After that, especially once we got to like 2008 with Iron Man and this idea of like, you, you know, Iron Man most most people will say is like a C-level character. Iron Man was not your favorite Avenger. Iron Man was not the comic you were picking up week after week, right? It wasn't Spider-Man. It wasn't Captain America. It wasn't X-Men. It wasn't the Avengers. It was like, oh, Iron Man. Okay, whatever. But that's a character they had left, right? Basically, because nobody wanted to buy the rights to Iron Man. Right, right. And they turned that movie into something awesome. And so once that was that success, Marvel and now Disney was like, well, we need to we need to get those characters back. We need to start soaking up all that stuff that we got rid of and and bring it in in order to not lose the rights that they have, Sony that is, they have to keep using those characters. They have to show that they're using and making money with right. this IP in order to have a whatever the law, copyright <laughs> ownership laws are is like you can't just sit on something and hoard it away. You have to keep using it. And so that's why we get crap sometimes out of the Sony movie <laughs> experience, right. right? That's why we get like really bad Fantastic Four movies where it's like it's not really meant for anybody to fall in love with and watch it's just to show that they're using it so they can hang on to the ip same thing with the spider-man characters that they're hanging on to morbius venom carnage these movies will come out and all their goal is is to make their money back or a little bit more would be nice, yeah. but it's so that they can keep their foot in the door on that Marvel stuff. So that when Disney Marvel wants to use Venom in the next Spider-Man movie, they got to pay up to say, Hey, clearly yeah. we're using it. We just had a Venom movie three years ago, that kind of thing. So there's still this back and forth push and pull from those yeah. 90s days of Marvel going bankrupt.
0: Yeah. And those negotiations after the success of... The Tobey Maguire Spider Man, and then you had this lull in between, and then you have the success of the early Marvel Universe films like Iron Man. Then they bring out The Amazing Spider Man with Andrew Garfield, which, as we talked about in that episode, covers older years, adult, more young adult years of Spider Man and Peter Parker. They never make that third negotiations happen. Andrew Garfield bails on some things, and that's why that third one was never made. And then we get Tom Holland hired to play. Spider-Man and Civil War in that yeah. first
1: appearance. <clears throat> There's a multiverse. There's another universe where Sony did a really good job and hired the right people and made <laughs> awesome Spider-Man and extended universe uh, movies. But it was not this one.
0: No, nope, it's somewhere else, somewhere in the uh, Spider-Verse is some of those characters on the animated movie
1: so i heard from a listener this week as well who was talking about how they were excited about being able to listen to the podcast again and i was like oh Mm -hmm. because the new season came out and they said no i'm still back in season two but i was following you guys i don't know how she was doing it she was following us on anchor somehow or was that is that a way you could do it you could follow on like an anchor player
0: Anchor had its own little app, I believe, and uh, okay. also you could just be on the browser and listen directly on the Anchor browser.
1: Got it. So this was somebody who was doing that, and then, you know, you get behind on your podcast, like we all do. I think I've got yeah, hundreds sitting in mine. Uh-huh. But then Anchor crashed and it was Spotify, and they were going to go back to Spotify. I think, she, I think she mentioned she did go to Spotify because they have that for their music or whatever, but right. they don't... I'm sure there's a way to do it. But the, this listener was saying was, it'll put the podcast in front of her that's most popular or has most listens or there's an algorithm there instead of like when you subscribe you can listen to the order or whatever it is and I asked about because this is an android user and I was asking about like what about like the google podcatcher and she just like her eyes like got stern she's like it's garbage (laughs) okay cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but she was saying that she recently got for work and, and home and stuff. She's got a MacBook with Apple Podcasts. And she's like, so I opened up Apple Podcasts and I subscribe there. And it's like way easier to keep track of. And I listen to the podcast while I'm, you know, doing stuff on my computer and whatever. And she was happy to get it back. So there was definitely a little hiccup there during the Anchor, Spotify, something, something. I just want to remind everybody, if you if you found this again and thought maybe we had disappeared when Anchor disappeared or something. We're still here, and you can still subscribe. And and do know that there are other much better pod catchers out there, apps, than what comes on your phone. I don't use any of the native ones. I've used two podcatcher apps that I really like. Funny enough, they have weird names. Downcast is one that I used oh, yes. for yeah. years and years and years, and then I've recently switched to Overcast. Decided to switch recently because their playback speed monitor thing is smarter. It does a compression and a speed like there's there's two things you can adjust, not just the speed but all also like the compression rate and things so that you can... So it doesn't sound as fast if you're listening to it fast. Although, if you want to listen to it regular speed, like if you're listening to a music podcast and you don't want the music to be screwed up, during the talky parts, it'll still take out the spaces there, but not mess up oh. the music. Like, it, it just had a little bit more fiddly uh yeah. functionality, which I'm finding is really cool. But yeah, those are two that I would recommend. Downcast and Overcast are both great podcatchers, and I've never had trouble losing podcasts or having things out of order or any of that <laughs> ridiculousness. Well, it-
0: Thank you to the listener who brought that to our attention. There's definitely been a change in our algorithm as hosting this podcast as well. And uh, couldn't figure out why. And this makes total sense. When uh, Spotify purchased or bought out Anchor, something switched for us as well. So definitely a good reminder for everyone to click that subscribe button because it'll make sure you get the most current episodes and that you can listen to them in order. I will say we are, besides Spotify, we are on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts. Podcast, CastBox, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. So maybe we'll look into starting up on Downcast, too. We can send them on our, our, our RSS and see as if we can as have like them As far as like well. those kind of
1: outside-the-box ones, PocketCast is another one that I've heard that a lot of people yeah. use and, and they also yeah. like.
0: All right, so now on to the episode. Today, Star Wars versus Harry Potter. I've seen this before.
1: Everybody knows this one. We'll, uh, we'll let the professionals take it.
2: J.K. Rowling did not write a masterpiece. She wrote Star Wars with sucky lightsabers. Have you ever looked at them side by side? Oh, what do we have here? It's a young male orphaned protagonist who, for his own safety, has been sent to live with his aunt and uncle until a mysterious bearded stranger, who's actually the one to deliver him to his aunt and uncle when he was a baby, comes into his life and starts to teach him about this ancient kind of magic. (laughs) Granted, he's gonna learn a lot more about this magic from an older, wiser wizard who's high most of the time. Regardless, his uncle is totally against this magic stuff. He won't even tell him what really happened to his parents, but against his uncle's wishes, he leaves home for the very first time, makes some new friends, meets a pretty impetuous young girl, and though there will be an odd sexual tension between the two of them throughout, he will only ever love her like a sister while she struggles with the feelings that she has for his best friend, the scruffy comic relief.
1: i had some trepidations about this episode because because of this like that's like wildly popular there's also the you know the epic rap battles of history yeah uh, yeah, yeah so yeah. i was like they did one harry potter versus luke skywalker and there's like a whole section in it that's like how these things are exactly the same i was thinking like what can we do in this space that might be different than you know what's already been said andrew was supposed to be on this episode right as well because i'm like he loves harry potter and he loves star wars and let's do this and as we were approaching the episode, I'm like, "Hey, Harry Potter's and Star Wars," and he just looked at me. He's like, ah, "I don't want to have to watch that movie again,"
2: <laughs> and I was like, "Which one?"
1: And it was the Harry Potter movie that he was talking about. We had just recently watched Star Wars just randomly. Actually, it wasn't randomly. It was when I had redone the nerd room that I had talked about a few right, weeks right. ago or a couple months ago yeah. and had everything set up. And I had the TV in a different place and I had the backlit, you know, LEDs and stuff. So, of course, I'm going to put on Star Wars and see how the sound is in the different place and whatever. You know, we got caught just spacing <laughs> off and watching it instead of doing what we were supposed to do. And he had made the comment at that time. He's like... A lot happens in this movie. He's like, I forgot. Like, they do a lot.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) It's like, you know, because if you haven't seen it in a while, you think like, oh, yeah, they go and they rescue Princess Leia and explode the Death Star. And it's like, no, Princess Leia wasn't on the Death Star. She was with Darth Vader on a thing. Like, that's a Mm -hmm. whole section unto itself before he. Yeah. Yes. So we were were commenting on like, man, this is like a lot happens in this movie. It's really well done. And then we got to this weekend and he's like, oh, I don't want to have to watch them. (laughs) 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 All right, Andrew. yeah so it's like oh well we changed the time for you and we we're this and that and he's like uh i don't want to do that and i'm like all right you mopey teen you <laughs> what, a,
0: what a what a high school teenager nerd
1: right totally it reminds me of the same thing like so we record on sundays we usually record on sunday afternoons but we are recording on a sunday morning for this episode right and i remember when i was 14 15 16 years old and like my dad coming in and being like hey today's the day we're cleaning the garage let's go and like are you kidding like just being an (laughs) absolute pill (laughs) what's
0: what's funny about that is a little bit later maybe tomorrow maybe maybe wednesday evening andrew's gonna go hey dad did you uh did you end up recording that episode or can i still be on it it's gonna <laughs> happen in the next like 72 hours <laughs>
1: that's right he's gonna he'll well knowing him he'll play it off though he'll Be like, oh glad i wasn't on that terrible episode you know what i mean <laughs> but i know it is yeah, back in his point. head he's like oh, i kind of missed an opportunity to be on the podcast
0: <laughs> yo bad andrew uh but okay <laughs> The rap battles and your setup here is kind of where I try to really not think about the totality of both of these universes. Because we can do comparison about all of Star Wars and all of Harry Potter, but there are some particulars to just episode four and just the first Harry Potter movie. Well, yes, and
1: I I will listen to your argument. However, (laughs) I will say that for my thesis of this episode will be a little bit different than that. I've seen this before. And that is I don't agree. I don't think these movies are the same. Mm, I think that there is an overall structure for a hero's journey story. I think that um, Star Wars did a good job of setting a mold for, you know, a classic fantasy adventure story on film. And so it kind of Goes beat to beat, and yes, you can pick out some details that make it sound like, like, well, they both have a beard, and it's like, okay, (laughs) no, no, okay,
0: no, 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 this is much deeper. Sorry, you know, it just went through my head. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. beard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, no, it definitely goes much deeper. What I see in your notes is that you kind of set it up in Acts. So let's talk about that first.
1: So, you know, these are both three-act structures. Harry Potter, it opens with... (laughs) Harry Potter opens with, like, Dumbledore and McGonagall walking through the streets for no reason. And then Hagrid shows up and drops the baby off at the doorstep. And I'll talk about this later, but man, it's real cheesy. And that kind of sets up and you get the title card and that kind of thing. Star Wars starts off with a cold open, middle of a battle, smoke and <laughs> lasers. There's dead bodies on the floor. You start with a bag of just like you. this movie is set up like, hey, there is just a fascist dictatorship running around in faceless armor and there's a dude dressed all in black with a red laser sword absolutely murdering people like this is this is a space battle epic there's a gravitas to that in star wars act one the way that they set that up that is very different from a harry potter All like, I see you over there, Professor McGonagall. (laughs) Well, well, let's walk down the street together, Dumbledore. And then they like look at the audience and say, (laughs) you remember those (laughs) names from the books, don't you, kids? (laughs) Like, it's not the same.
0: (laughs) You're right. And part of that is because one big difference in these two title films, Harry Potter is based off a book. And I don't think, have you ever read the book? I have not. Okay. The book, the whole first chapter isn't even there. Where the movie starts is like the second or third chapter, the whole beginning. And, and I was really confused the first time I read it. Uh, I was, just a quick side story. The whole beginning of the Harry Potter novel is from the point of view of the uncle, and it's at the point in time where Voldemort's been defeated, so he's walking around town, and everyone's talking about Harry Potter, Harry Potter, you know, da-da-da-da-da, they don't know where the baby is, and, you know, the baby survived, like, it's just all these people talking about it, and there's like a little celebration that muggles can see, because everyone's so relieved that Voldemort is gone, it's all from his point of view before Harry Potter's dropped at his doorstep so the movie decides to forego that part and start from the moment that Harry Potter's dropped off at the doorstep so there is one big difference there is that oh, well, you not that a in big... the battle time yet
1: I think that's a big difference and I think that's a main difference that's going to kind of support this thesis that I have is that Star Wars is a movie made to be a movie from the ground up and Harry Potter is an adaptation in the in the context of I've seen this before it's like these movies are just from the very foundation of them not the same a movie adaptation is like okay we're gonna take this book and then books are thick um, (laughs) and they're gonna take this thick book and they're going to fit it into a classic like three act hero's journey, yeah. storytelling, whether that was the original thing or not, they know it, how to it sell is. movies.
0: It's still a three-act yeah. storyline. It just starts different because they're not in trouble when Harry Potter starts. But the similarities aren't around that bigger storyline. The similarities are about the setup and the characters and what's happening to the characters.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's like what act two is very classic heroes. like, we always say star Wars is not a science fiction story. Science, you know, star Wars is a fantasy story with yeah. spaceships, you know, yeah. like the farm boy goes out, he finds the wizard of the desert, and then they go and they kind of pick up the, this cast of characters along the way. Right. They find the pirate and his you know, goofy sidekick and all of that kind of stuff as they go through along the way. And I see, and that's very classic, classic. And that's very tropey. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. sure. And we keep flashing back. in between, you know, the heroes figuring out their thing and making their little escapes and whatnot back to the bad guys, which are very like bureaucracy, corporate, shiny, you know, the opposite of them back and forth with those kinds of tropes. And it's in act two, it's at this point where, again, I think these movies separate themselves because the Harry Potter story becomes about school. It's it's a coming of age. it, It tries to be a coming of age story at a school with you meet your school friends and they're from different places with different experiences. And you have to get along with other people, but they're all going to have this common experience now in sort of, you know, in this private school setting or, or, you know, a lot of times we'll see this classically as like a college movie or even an army movie. Sometimes you'll see where people will kind of get on the bus from different places. But now we're all going to boot camp and we're going to have to work together despite our different histories. And really all those do is give background and context to the character to kind of make them more lovable. And so that when they're in danger later, you, you feel bad for them. Kind of thing So that I think Is another split
0: It's how you can house The quote unquote Chosen one Luke Skywalker is older He's maybe a late teen Early adult I don't ever quite remember Where he's supposed to be In Yeah he's episode, like, like College maybe age 18, Right like 19. his friends
1: All went out to the academy Kind of thing right. Like as if Like the The parallel being Well my friends all went to university But I had to stay here on the farm Right Right Kind of classic
0: thing And Harry Potter's a child But sure. where Where the storylines are exactly Exactly the same as you have the chosen one who's been hidden away with a distant relative to keep him safe. Harry Potter's been hidden from Voldemort's army with his uncle, with muggles, where the wizarding world would never, or I'm sorry, where the evil part of the wizarding world would never know how to find him. And Luke Skywalker's hidden. We know this later, but he is hidden from Darth Vader and his army with a long lost uncle. Well, so that's the thing. Are
1: we looking at the larger context or are we not? Because in Harry Potter, they're hitting you over the head from the very beginning. He's a chosen one. He's a chosen one. He's important. Everybody shows up and says like, didn't you know you were important? You're going to be the greatest wizard ever. Your parents were really important. You're this important. This is this is this is this. We're we're in Star Wars. They don't do that. They don't like, do it. Till you they don't are. know that. I mean. You do if you look at it critically, right? But as you're following through the story, Obi-Wan Kenobi's not showing up all like, oh, Luke Skywalker, it's time. You're the chosen one. You're the most oh, special. No, it's all, like, they it's don't definitely
0: all in context. But by the end of that film, they let you know that Luke Skywalker is a chosen one. It hits okay. you over the head with Harry Potter, but it's a late release of Luke Skywalker.
1: I'm gonna hold back, but I know my Star Wars nerds are thinking the same thing that I'm thinking right now, which is
0: It's hinted so heavily that you know there's something special about Luke Skywalker. It's so heavily hinted versus hit over the head. And again, the the difference there might have to do with their ages, but we're looking at a chosen one.
1: No, you are who's setting been it hidden perfectly away. for later. I love this. I <laughs> maybe, <Act
0: three. laughs> maybe, but they're they're both hidden away from their perspective, evil empires hidden away until the moment they need to know they are who they are. You were just talking about act two. And
1: uh, in, in one, they kind of pick up their plucky group of uh, adventurers along the way. And there's like car chases and like little training sequences. And then in the other one, it's a very like school heavy. The tropes are a little bit different there as one is putting the band together. And one is the um, we're all coming from different places to have a shared experience.
0: But the similarity is that the chosen one finds their sidekicks. I However, will say it happens. that
1: the heroes find their sidekicks.
0: Yes, the chosen ones. Find Keep their sidekicks. Keep saying the chosen
1: one. Keep saying it.
0: <laughs> I'm going to because they <laughs> are. Because they are. To I mean I I did peek at your notes, to a little bit of your notes, you are alluding that Harry Potter is more like Skywalker a Skywalker is, is the chosen like
1: one. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker was the chosen one. That is what all of those movies are about. And that is where I'm going on this. Whereas mm. these two movies aren't the same. Phantom Menace and this movie are oh, the same. I, think,
0: I, I just disagree with that. I don't see Anakin as the chosen one, even though that's where the lore will take you. This whole thing about Star Wars is built on the fact that Luke Skywalker is special. You don't know why he's special, but he's special. Of course, Harry Potter's character of a fantasy and- story and realistically harry potter's not the chosen one either if you want to go that route, it's also very identical. Tom Riddle they was a chosen a one and turned times.
1: evil. I literally watched the movie this morning, and they can't right, stop beating you over the head with how special and uh,
0: how special have Harry to, Potter is. They have to sell that to you. He is special because he survived being murdered by the actual chosen one, Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle was hand-plucked by Dumbledore and ended up being evil. Is that in the first movie? No, but no, you're, no. you've we are talking the, about movies. No, 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 no. You expanded to the fan phantom menace so i'm expanding beyond well, i well. didn't want to you kept pushing Neither did me I, but you, said, oh, we you said we're so off the rails we couldn't <laughs> even get to act three look at, you said <laughs> you said, anakin skywalker's the chosen one i disagree
1: they say they say it in phantom menace as much as they say it in harry potter they beat you over that and we're, forget the forget the other movie we're moving on to the this movie now that they're the same they are and they even do the same thing in the, the parallel between harry potter being a movie adaptation so they keep doing all of these nods and winks to like hey we know you read the book so this is this character like look down the barrel of the of the camera they do the same thing in phantom menace right because it's the prequel to the story everybody knows so it's like may i introduce myself for these negotiations i'm qui-gon jinn and this is close up takes the hood off looks down the barrel of the camera hello there I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, remember me, kids? I'm younger now. Like, it is... These movies were made closer in time. They were, they're were. they like two years apart. They're both adaptations of something that existed before. They're both all about, like, the chosen one, the chosen one, the chosen one. I think they got it wrong. It's not Star Wars and Harry Potter that are the same movie. It's Star Wars and Phantom Menace that are the same
0: movie. I just vehemently disagree that you have... They beat you over the head in Harry Potter, Chosen One, Chosen One. You're saying they beat you over the head, Phantom Menace, Chosen One, Chosen One. They are leading you down a story path to learn more later. That's why I disagree. I don't think Anakin Skywalker's a Chosen Star one.
1: Wars is an adventure story where people are getting blown up. They're dying. They're getting chopped up by lightsabers. There's dead bodies and smoke everywhere in Phantom Menace. There's like a kid. That's what I call pod racing. Like pod racing and Quidditch are the same. Quidditch and the trench run are not the same.
0: No, and they're not intended to be, right? Our, I've seen this before, was never about the minute details of how the journey begins and ends. It's the same tropes. You have the chosen one. You have the the hero, if we want to use your term, who's been hidden away, away from the evil empires. The evil empires themselves are on different paths. You have to actually do go to the bigger universe of both of these to get the parallels of those because you have Darth Vader's Empire and you have the the Death Eaters in Voldemort's Death Eaters. You have this whole army of bad guys. They don't come. Those blow up battles all don't come. To Vader.
1: Like they don't do anything in Harry Potter. They
0: they do. That's where you're not having read the books or maybe seen every movie. We're just talking
2: about these two movies. You're right,
0: but you also bring out The Phantom Menace. So what I'm saying to you is you are right. If you're going with the minute details of battles, 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 and a kid learning, 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 you have to pull out to the bigger picture. But when we're comparing these two films, I'm not looking at those minute details. I'm not looking at the fact that Harry plays Quidditch while Luke Skywalker is doing X, Y, or Z. It's not those things. It's the overall trope. Well, it's the overall trope right you have the hero it's
1: nothing more special than a hero's journey what's the difference of that than um the freaking pirates of the caribbean what's the difference between that and treasure island what's it like those are two no, I don't, movies? i don't, I don't know why except those came up, but...
0: we, we chose these two movies to compare that i've seen this before here's well, where we... we
1: chose these two movies to compare because it's such a popular thing it's no. like everybody says like because there's the comedian that talks about it there's the rabbit like this is a thing where like oh harry potter is just a ripoff of star wars he's he's Luke Skywalker, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's a very popular thing. And so I why, feel like we're not, saying no. I'm saying no. I think people are wrong. I think just because something's popular doesn't make
0: it true. I'm saying that's not why we chose these two. because We chose these two because they have the most amount of similarities. Because you're right. And we get to this every time we do this episode. Uh, actually, you and Andrew got on my case for bringing in... I don't even remember on our you're part right. two. Okay. Okay.
1: Right? So, yes. I
0: wasn't the, tra- You pushed me. I was going Tropes, the tropes, tropes, tropes are tropes. Tropes are tropes. But we're, we're focusing on these two. You have the hero... Or the chosen one, whichever term you, you you want to use to describe, they're hidden away from their evil empires. Yes, one is in the middle of battle, one is the, the really bad the guy, doesn't come until an the end of the empire movie. In the first place, to be an evil empire, you got to be out there being a fascist, taking over things. Rob, he starts basically dead. His army is hidden in this first film, right? That's not right. the same as Star Wars, but that doesn't mean that their journeys aren't the same just because one's in the middle of battle and one is while the battle is waiting to happen. That means this first film is so similar in terms of that hero's journey, except that we're not going to put an 11 year old in the middle of the battles. Like one of the, so one of the criticisms, criticisms about. Harry Potter is that they were written for kids, but the author chose to age the story with the kids over the span Mm -hmm. of what decade or whatever that the the books and the films came out. So as you move along and the kids get older and Voldemort comes back and Voldemort's army comes back and they're destroying, destructing, you want all of those battle scenes, it exists later. So Harry's Timeline is a little bit slower, but this film by itself, from start to finish, has those tropes of boom, this boom, you find your sidekicks, boom, good versus evil. Right? These are tropes. That's why I've seen this. This is every movie. Boom. Yes, but these are the two that we chose to talk about this film. There's nothing special.
2: There's got to be lightsabers versus
0: wands. Boom. We don't, we can't get to the army because it's later. Good army and bad army. Look at the mentors. Luke Skywalker's mentor is Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? He brings them into into starting to learn about the Force. Obi-Wan Very Kenobi-
1: reluctantly because his father, the actual Chosen One, turned out so bad. Meanwhile, you got Hagrid over there like, Hey, buddy, you're going to be the greatest wizard ever. Let me goof around with you. Hagrid's <laughs> not his
0: mentor. Dumbledore's his mentor who does it reluctantly because he doesn't want him to put him in danger. And he failed at training Tom Riddle who became Voldemort. Okay. Same movie. They, and they are have different- a beard. And they have it. it. And they <laughs> both have beards. Th- there are so many similarities to that, even though they're on different parts of the bigger picture. That encompasses all of Harry Potter one. And when it ends, Voldemort finally makes an appearance and tries to kill him. And he has to rely on the very little he's learned about the force or Mm -hmm. the wizarding in order to defeat him this first time. But it starts to hint at bigger things. You get to the end of this one, it starts to hint at bigger things. That's where these two movies are exactly the same. Now, we can pull out to the bigger universe, and you're right, like, scene for scene, battle for battle, it's probably closer to a different movie. But the tropes of these two are just so piecemeal that...
1: I suppose so, and I think that they're probably the same as a lot of movies. I think when we've tried to do this before with other movies, we have watched both movies side by side and being like, the beats are exactly the same act for sure. act right and the character tropes are exactly the same beat for beat like you know this corporate overlord or this corporate overlord they're the same character with yeah. different suits on you know those kinds of things and i don't think that han solo and ron weasley are not the same character they're not the same oh, definitely
0: archetype. Not. Right. definitely not so, one ron weasley's more like r2d2 or maybe so <laughs> c3po right. right
1: i don't know where the. i don't think that the correlations stay i don't think that they stay consistent enough for it's
0: definitely not this strong, strong like the matrix and the lego movie which are almost beat for beat i don't even, what did what did we even do last season i don't even remember
1: <laughs> we did the muppets and
0: ready player one
1: and Ready Player One. That's and
0: those right. two were not beat for beat. So we got into these same kind of arguments last season as well. That's what makes these episodes hard, but that's what I love about them because I I totally see your standpoint. They are completely different, but also my argument there is they are the basis of both of these giant universes. And if you just take the skeletons of the storylines of that hero's journey, if you will, they're exactly the same. Mm. <laughs>
1: I I just I just don't see it. I see the Harry Potter Potter movie as a movie that is just it's a cookie cutter adaptation that was done like granted yes. it was done thirty, 30 years after this. 20 something years, years yeah, after yeah, something like Star that. Wars. Yeah. So there's a lot more of like this is what a Hollywood movie looks like. This is you know, they know based on the s- Uh, Based on the sales of the book how popular this is going to be so they put it in a very safe outline this is what people will recognize this is what people expect of a movie we'll spend our money on budget and special effects for the magic and we'll put together this I think very mediocre movie from I'm sure you would say Awesome source material where Star Wars is just not that. Star Wars was made as a movie for movie's sake. The 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 dream of the origin of Star Wars was for it to be an awesome movie. The dream actually, of Harry Potter was, it was a cool, it was a great book.
0: I'm going to, well, actually here, Star Wars was written as a series of nine short stories by George Lucas. George Steve Lucas is a
1: filmmaker. What, right. But I'm not, saying he, I'm not
0: saying he wrote a book. I'm saying he wrote nine stories. Nine. He wrote episodes one through nine sometime in the 70s. Sure. When he got the green light to make a film, he chose four because it's same reason it could fit in this neat, pretty box of what a film could be in a popular format. Now, he still bucked. He still he bucked society. He broke
1: all the rules. That movie Absolutely. is special for a reason. He There's knew he no was way. doing that. But the storyline,
0: the storyline's a neat, pretty box that he can use that hero's journey i mean obviously
1: any filmmaker anybody who's gonna make something is gonna write it down first and like flesh out that story like it wasn't a published it wasn't a published no i'm not i'm not arguing i'm not arguing that it's the same thing process
0: i'm arguing there are similarities there as well he wrote nine stories it no so it's not episodes. an
1: adaptation of those stories of course they are no those stories they are an adi-
0: adaptation to be turned well, into a movie actually something. i will say the last 3 were not an adaptation of his because he sold the rights to disney but episodes 1 through 6 are adaptations of the 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 stuff he wrote in the 70s granted no he did not write it for publication but that's why his hands were in Episodes 1, 2, and 3 that deep, because they were part of the prequels he originally wrote. Those storylines- It's story a completely
1: lines, different thing. There's, it's similar. You're not going to tell me- It's that, similar. That it's Harry, not the same. The novel Harry Potter being adapted to a movie is the same thing as Star Wars being made. I said made similar, not
0: same. No way. They are similar. No Total way. way. Total way. I have a cheat code with this, however, because again, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, George Lucas went to USC. There's a lot about the Star Wars universe that he brought to talk to film majors at the time I was at USC, at the time they were making episodes one, two, and three. I had a roommate who was a film major and learned all this from, and I have friends who worked on Skywalker Ranch. So the fact that that I can say they are similar, but not the same, I truly, truly mean that with, if you will, insider information. These stories were fleshed out by George Lucas, not published. They were not popular books. He still did all the things imaginative. I'm still giving him credit for bucking the system, right? Everyone in the 70s, was like, there's no story that has ever been told like this before. Doesn't mean that it wasn't still an adaptation of something he had written in a long series of things with intention of going from point A to point Z. That thought process was still there. I am not saying they're exactly the same, but there are some similarities there. He chose the story that would be most popular to tell. I would say that
1: it is a known idea that the way billionaire George Lucas in the 90s tells the story versus the first-hand accounts of what was actually going on in the 70s have evolved and changed a little over time. However, I would also recommend, since we're talking about George Lucas, is the book How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, or How Star Wars Took Over the Universe, or... ah, Let me look it up, because it's really good.
0: I mean, I don't know if there's someone more firsthand than the guy who did it but uh
1: how star think... wars conquered the universe by chris taylor is an incredible book with um just tons and tons of first-hand accounts from people who worked on the movies and, and george lucas as well and things like that and um what's fun about that book is the premise is can he find someone in the united states of america or in the world who has not heard of star wars at all like doesn't know what Star Wars is. Granted, this was probably 10 years ago, 20 years ago or whatever, but it kind of starts off with like, he found some like dude on an Indian reservation named like <laughs> Standing Brook or something who had no idea what Star Wars was. <laughs> and they watched it and his, uh, and his review of it and then just doing tons and tons of research about how this came to be and all the stuff. It's, it's the best Star Wars book I've ever read. And I would recommend it to our listeners. But anyway, yes, there's a lot of that stuff in there as well as far as is like the story evolving and those kinds of things but it also because it is not a it's not a george lucas fluff piece by any means there's definitely a lot of stuff about george lucas and even goes into like his anti-union stances and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh things like that But Harry Potter was a successful book first. That means everything.
0: That's what what I'm saying. They're similar, but not the same, right? And the adaptations from the books to the movies is a whole different thing we can talk about. I don't mind the adaptations. I think they cut out some of the fluff that doesn't need to be brought to the film. Obviously, yes, they didn't take as much of of a gamble making Harry Potter one because by that point three books had come out or so two or three books had come out and they were super popular. So yeah, the gamble's not there. No, but that, we're not talking about the the worldwide success of the films themselves. We we're talking about just that pared down hero's journey chosen one between these two and then when you expand up to the universe there are more and fewer similarities. So you get to the point where you get to see Dumbledore um you see Dumbledore's army which is like the light side of the force. Right, it's the Jedi, mm-hmm. and then you get Voldemort, Voldemort's Death Eaters, which are like closer to Darth Vader's Empire than the other ones in episodes one, two, and three, and seven, eight, nine. Similarities, but also they're all tropes, right?
1: For sure. I, I, <laughs> I, I, mm,
0: <laughs>
1: I don't think it's. I don't think it's as close as everyone would like you to believe. I think one is. I think one is a book adaptation and one is a World War II hero journey space opera movie.
0: Yeah, the only difference is they found Luke Skywalker where Harry Potter five or six would be. They found him older, right in the middle of the battle. If you start Harry Potter at five or six, the similarities would feel better in your brain.
1: You mean if they found Luke Skywalker at like five or six, like no, as no, a no, young no. Kid.
0: If they found Harry Potter at book five or six. Oh, at
1: book five or six, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, at yeah, age five or six. No, right. no, no. Now we seem as a if baby. they
0: if they bring Luke Skywalker in before Darth Vader becomes super, like uh, not popular, <laughs> super powerful yeah. when he's first trying to put together his army and his empire. He they bring Luke Skywalker in at eleven, then you're talking about a, a bit more age similarity. But in terms of of the just this pare down story of We find the Chosen One hidden with family. They don't know that they're this like special thing and they have to be spoon fed it in different ways. They get a mentor who mentored the evil guy and are reluctant to mentor them. They get some sort of battle magic. They get tested towards that first film to set up the rest of the films. I've seen it before. I don't see it.
1: <laughs> Especially not. with the Harry Potter, knowing that it was going to be a huge thing from the get-go, knowing where it was going. And I think almost to its detriment with like, like I would say, like they just hit you over the head so many times. Like this is coming. This is coming. He's special. Don't talk about this guy. This is the other thing that's coming. Because they know they have a multiple movie plan out for this where. Well,
0: I would argue that's not the case. They There's never a guarantee the movies are going to be popular popular we've seen plenty of book adaptation movies that are not popular so they oh, still took it was Harry less of a Potter risk was too big to fail not necessarily it could have been a bad movie and you know that they and I, and I, I think it kind of was a bad movie <laughs> it's definitely not i mean the first book and the first film they are what they are they are setting sure. up a larger story right and they're kid like they're so young you can't go to the dark places Harry Potter eventually goes. That Star Wars has the affordability to do so because Luke's a little bit more of an adult. Because it's different. But their journeys are the same. <laughs> sure. Even if they're on different part of a timeline, they're the they same. They always are. Yeah. That's the point of this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's close enough. Uh, I think they're identical. And the only difference... Oh, it is not a difference. That's my notes for later.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, let's get there. How about how about some notes? You have some notes at the end of this.
1: I did have some notes. I felt like, especially it hit me with the, the comment Andrew made. He's like, oh, God, I don't want to watch that movie again. Like he mm-hmm. just and, and Harry Potter is something he loves. He's read all the yeah. books. He's seen all the movies. He's dressed up for Halloween. We've gone to Universal Studios. He's got a wand displayed on a like display case in his room. He likes Harry Potter, but didn't want to watch this movie. Yes. He's just like, I just it's not, I don't want to spend my time doing that. I'm busy. So that got me thinking like that's how I feel about Phantom Menace. Like, I love okay. Star Wars. I'm a Star okay. Wars guy. But if somebody was like, hey, we're doing this project. I need you to watch, sit down and watch Phantom Menace with me. I'll be like, do I have to? Like, I kind of know. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I did. I flipped it on because I was like, wait a minute. Harry Potter... 2001 phantom menace 1999 like i bet you they looked at phantom menace and made harry potter like it was just a theory i had so i turned that one on and started looking and while it's not i'm not gonna say it's closer as far as like shot for shot for shot or anything like that the feel of it mm-hmm. is very much the same. The way that I mean I would not be surprised to learn that the child actors had the same acting coaches. I would not be surprised to know that the if I learned that the special effects people worked on both movies. Like they feel and look very, very similar. And two is and, and it's mostly like kind of the bad things that I don't like, of course, like stood out to me as well. But the idea from Phantom Menace, like the acting that goes on there and the winks and nods to the audience like completely overtake any storytelling that's there. Like I was mentioning before, like, oh, and this is... Obi-Wan Kenobi you know kind of thing and it's very much the same with Harry Potter right like nice to see you there Professor McGonagall like it's just very much like hey you know these names right because you're a fan of this property kind of thing and then it's a kids movie like they're both very much like the idea of like hey Star Wars fans you're gonna bring your kids to this movie so it's gonna be a really kid friendly and it's gonna be about the kids and Harry Potter's like hey Harry Potter fans This is a young adult, you know, this is a young adult series for, young, you know, kids. This is a kid's movie and it's going to be, it's going to be cool, right? It's not a cartoon. It's not something cheesy like you're going to see on the Disney channel. Like it's a real movie, but the kids are the focus. That's how both of those movies are.
0: They were just at a disadvantage making The Phantom Menace. They they were because Star Wars was so insanely popular. They waited 20 years between the films, which was also a mistake, Mm -hmm. but- the disadvantage is you have to meet Anakin as young. You already know where he's going and they had to try to make a story believable that he had a chance of being good, right? And mm-hmm, that's where mm-hmm. that's where those first three movies fail, right? They they try so hard to make it that the stakes aren't very high and that he has a chance of not being Darth Vader, but we all know where that's ending up and I think that's where those those stories really failed to be told well. That's what makes those three movies so hard to watch. It's so much bureaucracy and it's so much like so many scenes of sitting in rooms with the stakeholders of the of mm-hmm. of the force and 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 talking about how scared they are they do more talking about how scared they are for anakin's flashes of darkness <laughs> he's, the chosen, he's actually... the chosen
1: one he's the chosen one blah blah, blah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's annoying so yeah
0: it's it's a they're a bit of a disadvantage and i think they told the story in a manner that Maybe wouldn't have been the case if they started with episode one, which also may not have been as popular as a movie of a movie, which is why George Lucas chose four to start. And with. that would
1: have been a way bigger risk than starting yes. with Harry Potter book one yeah. because there wasn't that. Um, it had that to be super slow. And yes. yeah.
0: yeah. Finding them at different times makes it makes a big, big difference. It's just the timelines of of where the stories were told. And and I would agree, like book one I read once. Mm-hmm. I do have the audiobook I put it on to fall asleep to. That's more Jim Dale's voice than the story, but also there's not a lot of action in book one mm. that would be told in an excited manner that would like wake me up or like spark my energy. The first movie for me is one, like you were saying, like you were turning on Star Wars just to have it playing and testing it out. I would put Harry Potter on while I'm cleaning the house as just background noise because there's not a lot that's going to catch my attention. It is definitely not a film that I would go back and watch, but I would say the same about Star Wars, and there's one big reason why. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker is so f- annoying <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> so- he is a whiny
1: little b- This is so funny because I feel the same way about Anakin Skywalker. Same. Yes. Like I can't stand baby Anakin. I can't stand
0: Hayden Christensen Skywalker. Like they bug the hell out of me. Yes. And I don't know what, like, we all know that Mark Hamill is a pretty good actor and he nails the, he, he hits it out of the park as Luke Skywalker. There's not another person I think they could have pulled out of nowhere. To have played Luke Skywalker, but whatever they told him, uh, whatever George Lucas told him to start this film, he is just whiny and un bear oh but uncle i have the na na and you like i don't
1: see it that Whoa. way Bro i really i really mean i see him as a complete teenager
0: oh it's so bad
1: but like the it's voice so doesn't grate on me oh, like 100%. the anakin skywalker kid voice like 100%. grates on me i don't Ugh. get it i think Ugh.
0: Is, all, all right c3po like oh i think maybe his <laughs> maybe his motorcycle accident like Knock some sense into him to use his man voice when he got to episode five. But is it overacting?
1: Is it just bad direction of him trying to portray being a disengaged teenager kind of thing? Or
0: if I had to guess based off what I know, yeah, I. I think George Lucas kind of hinted at where Luke Skywalker goes. So we wanted a real big difference between this eh, to where you get to him dressed in the black robes and training with Yoda. And- well, I would say, well, do you see it even in that
1: movie? Cause I always think about like for star Wars, there was no guarantee. There would be another one like star Wars wraps up sure. with a big award sure. ceremony. Like it is a standalone piece. Yeah. And I think that within that, like to see him start out as this, you know, Whiny farm kid, which he is whiny. Like it doesn't bother me because I know he's supposed to be whiny, right? He's this whiny farm kid, and then ends up as like the most important person in the universe. Like I feel like there's a change from Act One to Act Three with him. It's a little bit like it's on purpose, so it doesn't
0: bother me. He talks less because much True. of the dialogue There's more characters. Leia comes in and and Han Solo comes in and the banter and chemistry between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher is so strong that he doesn't have to act as much. He quiets down as a character and is just learning and surviving.
1: True. Right? And then I think by the time we get to the end he's he's a different character. Like he's done that growing up, right? You know. A little like, bit. Do you think a guy like me and a girl like her no, like he's got a little more confidence kind of thing. And then in the battle too, right? He's giving orders and he's figured out that like this is the moment and like red five, get on my tail. You spin around this way. Like he becomes, he just gains a lot of confidence and becomes a different person, right? He has that hero's journey by the end of the movie. I don't so, know
0: that it's strong enough for me at the end of Star Wars. I think his motivation is still trying to impress Leia, right? He's still on, no. on the Yeah. He's, he's trying to save the day. He's trying well, to be sure at
1: the battle of yeah, like at the battling yeah but like he's not trying to oppress leia he's trying to destroy the death star he's part that's of
0: a rebellion he's now smiles at her at the end of the film it's creepy and gross well, of course he's gonna smile at the pretty girl at the thing <laughs> yeah right? that's what i'm saying i don't buy but that's not his
1: the, motivation in movie. i don't that movie.
0: i don't buy the maturation as being very strong to the end of that movie it's there it's not as strong as what we see later if the oh, next Star Wars is never ended. He It would end with him being meh to me. Meh. He got there a little bit. He got there a little bit. He matured a little bit. He's still a whiny bee. I think that's on, I think
1: that's on purpose. I think it's bothering you. I don't I'm not sure why it's bothering you because I feel like it's a purposeful decision for the story it was to show the difference and maybe it's overdone like poorly uh, done you can have your opinion i
0: can't stand i can't stand like i will fast forward to to like middle of that movie i cannot stand the first like 45 minutes of luke skywalker in episode four i can't stand it i would rather watch hayden christensen than mark hamill as early Yeah, I just it just was either poorly done, overdone, I don't know what what the difference is, but I cannot watch the beginning of Star Wars, which sucks cuz I love the introduction of C-3PO and R2D2 and I love the introduction of, you know, when he first meets Obi-Wan, but I love that in the context of knowing what happens and what has happened before that. I don't love it in the context of the standalone movie.
1: Yeah, I get that. I I think the same thing when I'm going through and watching Star Wars movies as well. It's like, oh, man, I really love Star Wars. And then sometimes you get into it and you're like, why do I like this?
0: And you know, I think a lot about that with some a, a lot of the Star Wars movies. I gotta really pay attention to this, and there's all these notes about what happened before and what happened then, and they're talking, and the you know, it just, sometimes it just loses me. It just loses me. So but, let's
1: let's bookend this conversation then okay. to what we. We're talking about at the very beginning with those adaptations, right? I kind of brought in how I love those old Dungeons and Dragons books because it took what exists and then lets other folks play in that world. I think some of the best Star Wars we're seeing right now is other people playing in that world. I think Dave Filoni taking what was those prequel movies and turning it into the Clone Wars is elevates the art. I think what people are doing with the Mandalorian, right? A throwaway character pretty much in uh, Return of the Jedi now has three seasons of a show, right? That's that fan fiction kind of thing that we were talking about earlier where sometimes it really works. And I think that's where we're at right now when we talk about like, well, I kind of like the overallness of it more than I like any of the individual original parts.
0: And I've said before, I'll say again, my favorite in the Star Wars universe is Rogue One. And Rogue One is a story. Which is not
1: a George Lucas really production. It
0: is not. But you have to know the things to know why this film needs to exist and what what it alludes to at the end otherwise you don't understand why the computerized princess leia is there at the end saying hope and given that last line of the film you don't know the context of that and if you don't know the context of why this whole thing needed to happen and why these people needed to die rogue one makes no sense as a standalone film but they right. tell the Absolutely. story in a manner that it is show not tell which is my problem with a lot of the star wars movies it's a lot of tell 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 and when you get to the show it doesn't make sense
1: it's very, it's very similar, similar to you. a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago, we were talking about Spider-Man and I thought that Andrew did a great job sharing. I think we were talking about like our favorite issues and he shared a story about Spider-Man in a children's hospital. Right. Thing, and I was, it was great. I was like, man, Andrew, you did a great job picking that one, but it's kind of the same thing. Like that story doesn't exist by itself. That story right. only exists because we have. 50 years of Spider-Man. A lot of this stuff that we're loving about Star Wars or Rogue One in particular is like, we only love it so much because of everything else we know about that universe.
0: Yes, and. And the and for me for Rogue One is it's a good story. Things that I love that I've noticed, you are given characters that you can like, love, or hate right away, right? Mm-hmm. And Rogue One, you buy into those characters real fast. You are told the stories in a manner or you're shown the stories in a manner that you care very quickly what happens to them and you invest in their stories. I don't get a lot of that all the time with Star Wars because it's so expansive and they had to pack into some of those episodes, like the the main nine episodes episodes sometimes they have to pack so much you don't know to care or you don't get to love storylines or understand or 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 boba fett being one of them right boba fett was like a surprise loved character right surprised everybody Right. He was a nothing character is a throwaway character, like you said, and everyone went crazy about Boba Fett. And if you have an original Boba Fett from the 80s, you're a very wealthy person. So there's some of those surprises that you care about. But for the most part, there's just so much that it becomes hard to consume. In Rogue One, mm-hmm. that's not the case. It really gives you a small amount of people. You get some sidekicks that are really a little bit of comedic relief and a little bit of, like, the force is a real thing. You know, the blind guy yeah. uh, in Rogue One, right? He He's a little bit comedic and a little bit necessary for the storyline, and you care about him right away. Exactly. Right? And that doesn't happen in all, this, all the Star Wars stuff.
1: Yeah, I think there's also just a, a, a modern way of telling those stories 20 years later mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. unlike in the early 2000s where we had all those winks and nods, like, I don't know if you felt it like when you, when you watched Rogue One and like the different robot showed up or when like Saw Guerrera showed up, right? Those characters maybe are from the Clone Wars, but did it, it didn't feel like. And this is Saw Gerrera. You remember him from the cartoon, right? Like, it doesn't feel that way. It just feels like its own kind of thing.
0: Yeah, just to wrap around back to it is that you're not seeing a lot of that with Harry Potter. But I also think that's because the author has become problematic to a lot of people because of her stance on transgender. Yeah, so there's not a lot of people who are touching that storyline, which is unfortunate because I think some really great Fan fiction type stuff could uh, could have come of it. The cursed child, Harry Potter, and the cursed child mm. has become pretty popular. Uh, it was written not as a book but as a play, and so it's live and it sells out uh, all over the world. And that is an epilogue. It is Harry Potter's kid. Yeah, all their kids battling stuff i don't i don't know much about it because um i haven't read it or i haven't and i haven't seen it so but i do know it's like epilogue it's like episode 789
1: and the like fantastic beasts thing
0: well this is what's interesting it's different because that's not part of the harry potter universe so okay i mean it's not part of the harry potter storyline so fantastic beasts is a book That Harry Potter has to buy for one of his classes. So that Fantastic Beasts storyline follows the author of that book. Loosely related to the Harry Potter storyline. And it's stuff that happens before Harry Potter has to buy that book. It goes a little bit different direction, Fantastic Beasts.
1: And that's the like, and there was a, and that's the, is the author that's like the Grim, Grim, smear
0: Oh, so they they have that storyline. You learn a backstory to Dumbledore after his death, and Harry learns about this backstory of Dumbledore. So, what they did was connect the author of Fantastic Beasts to that storyline. So you was see, Gr- Grimwald is okay. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I haven't seen the the most recent one, the third of the line. I do remember the they did a better job at these three than episodes one, two, and three. It's a little bit more interesting than that because it's not, this is Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's God, um, so bad.
1: And yeah, why did they, they shoehorn three three VPO in there? <laughs> I yeah, hate it.
0: Yeah. So it's not as uh, like down your throat. As episodes one, two, and three, uh, they're okay. They tell that story that you learn about in books like six and seven. be the point of time that we ask andrew what the nerdiest thing he did this week but he's busy being a teenager so rob what's the nerdiest thing you did this week
1: I had a cool nerdy experience this week. One of Maria's coworkers invited us to go with them to something called Stars and Bars in our town. And what this was, was an astronomy presentation that took place at one of our local breweries. And I guess this is, they've been doing this for a long time. I think they did it like every month last year. And this is oh my you gosh. Know, like maybe the fourth one or sixth one this year or something. And what it is, is our local, one of our local universities, um, UC Santa Barbara, their astronomy department puts on this thing at a bar. So this was at uh, M Special, the downtown one where they have that okay. big patio. Mm-hmm. And every TV and the projector on the wall in the backyard was presenting basically this PowerPoint presentation from this grad student presenting her project on the this discovery of a supernova that exploded twice. And I'm going to be honest, it was over my head a little bit, but it was still <laughs> very interesting to hear about It and what was cool was you could tell, like, there it it was packed, like, we couldn't find a seat, we had to sit at a table with like strangers because this place was so. Wow. And a lot of people there you could tell were other astronomy students, right? Like this is a grad student and she's presenting on this project that she's doing. And there's other kind of older college age people in the back, like cheering and like whooping her on and kind of stuff, which is totally fun to see about this dry astronomy uh, project. <laughs> but it was a cool opportunity for her to do that. And it was a cool opportunity to like get out into the community. And so that was like the first half of the presentation, the second half of the presentation, which you can tell is like the one they, that really sells it is sees two astronomy nerds get up there and they've got a presentation of like all the things that have happened in astronomy news over the past month or like since the next one that they've done. And basically it's these two young guys doing their podcast. Like it sounded like they're wow. having like a fun time making fun of the news, making fun of like some of the ner- news coverage of different astronomy things, telling the stories of like, oh, this satellite crashed into the moon and like it just in a fun and lighthearted way and they have some back and forth, you know, there's definitely some chemistry that they have just talking about astronomy for a little over an hour. While you grab a beer at the brewery and outdoors, you know, I mean, under the stars, it was kind of a foggy day, but you know, just like in this big outdoor event with their PowerPoint presentations up there talking about astronomy and the place was packed. Wow. It was super cool. I would go again for sure.
0: Never heard of it. I hadn't either. They have t-shirts. They were having
1: poster giveaways. It was a raffle. Like, it's a thing. Wow.
0: Do they always have an M special or do they move around? I don't know but it was a perfect
1: venue if they don't. Mm. So we'll have Mm. to see when the next one is. It might be one of those things where they kind of take November and December off because of like the holidays and competing spaces. So it might be a while but I'm going to kind of keep plugged in and check it out again. How fun. How nerdy. (laughs) Yeah, super.
0: How about you? I mean, I had a pretty nerdy week i have been messaging you because (laughs) i made a joke about all my kickstarters from a year or more ago must have been on the same ship from china because all of a sudden i got a bunch of fedex alerts you know your game has shipped your game has shipped It
1: wouldn't be super surprising if Kickstarter, like a lot of people who do Kickstarters also use the same logistics companies to get that stuff worked out. Or
0: they're like, I found a ship, let's fill it. And all the different companies pile on. But I did receive the Dark Tower expansion called covenant which is four new characters and some new buildings and awesome. a bunch of chits but that's a story for another day and then marvel zombies is finally on the way which we know it's already in some stores but we chose wave two of shipping so we're still waiting for that's gonna arrive any day now
1: i just saw this morning as i was scrolling through miniature market was advertising all the add-ons and expansions so they got oh, the right. same email as you for their yep. retailer pledge that it's all yep, coming waiting
0: for it to Come in. Uh, but I will say the nerdiest thing I did this week uh, I found this out from one of our listeners that Amber Benson wrote a Buffy verse story. Talk about fan fiction. Amber Benson played Tara, Willow's girlfriend, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and wrote a story that starts a little bit after where the TV series ended, which means the comic book seasons, 8, 9, 10, 11, mm-hmm. don't exist with this sure. story
1: that she wrote. Makes sense. It's a good place to start, just like the comic books also chose that place to start. (laughs) It's like,
0: exactly. They made an audiobook that stars Charisma Carpenter. Emma Caulfield, who played Anya, Anthony Stewart Head comes back as as Giles, Juliet Landau as Drusilla, James Marsters as Spike, and then some new characters. And in this audio... Audio video,
1: drama, yeah. <laughs>
0: yes, this audio series, Charisma Carpenter as Cordelia comes from a different universe in which <laughs> Buffy Summers never existed and Charisma... I mean, and Cordelia is the Slayer. All right, okay. And Buffy's off somewhere because she's given the powers to all the Slayers, so she's off somewhere. (laughs) Because they
1: couldn't get the actress to come reprise her role.
0: Who knows? Who knows if that's the because, but that's how the story was written. What it sounds like to me. At first, I mean, I don't think Amber Benson would write that way. First of all, like she's written a lot of stuff for Buffy post being in the show. I don't know the purpose of it. I haven't not, I have not listened to the entire series yet. At first I was a little bit grumpy about it. Like Spike dies at the end of season seven. I don't care if Angel brings him back. I don't, Spike should be dead. He like, I don't get it. Blah, blah, blah. I get a little cranky about fan fiction when it really deviates from the actual storylines but i can forgive it it's a pretty good story so far uh i'm not very deep into it but i was very excited to go back to audible download it i'm listening and it's my good old characters from my favorite show of all time so how's james Mars just Um, doing is he spiking it up is he he hitting it hard chewing up that uh, scenery it's a little much to start but (laughs) i think he's he's so far, as I'm mostly done with the first episode, he's settling into who Spike is. Um, but then there's a reason why it's a little much to start. And I, I don't want to give it away for people who haven't listened yet. So it starts a little like, oh, this is weird Spike. And then there's a reason why it's weird Spike at the beginning. So it settles down and settles into the storyline. And Cordelia coming in as the Slayer saying, who's this Buffy Summers everyone's talking about is uh, is pretty pretty good. It's a good listen for Buffy fans. Proud of Amber Benson for writing it. I'm proud of these characters for coming back because they could all just say, no, thank you. We don't want to reprise those characters and they're doing it. Well, it's good it, that so. they're having fun.
1: Do Are they like? Are they a good crew? Do they show up at the conventions and do talks and like hang out oh, yeah. and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they like they They understand the, the fandom that's out there and how much yes. it means to people and stuff. Yeah, that's great.
0: I would say Sarah Michelle Geller does as well. She goes yeah. to those things occasionally, but she does have... <laughs> I mean, she has a whole series of stuff that she's doing. She's been in other movies and TV shows, so she's not as available for those things. I think she understands the fandom as well. These are the characters that you are more more likely to see. You saw at Metro, they've had James Marsters there a few times. They have a few, quite a few Buffy memorabilia from the 90s, signed by Juliet Landau. They have a Drusilla doll signed by her. They have Amber Benson, a uh, Tara doll signed by her. They have a few James Marsters signed things. So the Those are the people that tend to make public appearances more often than Sarah Michelle
1: Gellar. Yeah, that's my that's my funny James Marshall story is in, gosh, what year would it have been? Maybe 2001. I happened to be in the comic book store and I had the same bleached hair do as Spike <laughs> on the show and I had never seen the show. I had no idea what yeah. was going on. I didn't discover Buffy until like a decade later or whatever, yeah. but I was in there just like on a Wednesday there to pick up my comics and I'm sure it was Bob was like, oh, wow, are you like a Spike super fan? Are you here to see James Marshall? are like what the hell are you talking about bro (laughs) and it was so funny so i'm there just doing my regular thing over at the table picking up my things and james barsters came in and they were setting up the table and he was there and i looked over and like he was just there doing his thing like in the
2: prime
1: of buffy i looked over and was like oh that's kind of embarrassing me and that guy really do have the same hair so i was like oh get the hell out of here (laughs) didn't even shake his head didn't meet him i mean i could have like gone and hung out with the dude basically like it was it was empty they were just setting up the table and he was standing around
0: talking to the guy you didn't even bother reaching out to your best friend and being like I you had no this
1: idea show? this was before our cell phones like I couldn't even like take a picture and send it oh, to you like totally do you right. know this dude like You're I had totally no right. idea that you were even watching Buffy you were out at college doing whatever Totally and, right. uh, 2015 Rob would have been all over that <laughs> like <laughs> hey bro oh my god your character's so cool and blah 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 or even not know just be like we got the same haircut that's funny let's take a picture together just because i knew it was somebody famous yeah no i was like oh geez this is embarrassing i'm gonna get the hell out of here (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh that's amazing
1: next episode is going to be our holiday gift guide we like doing this every year where we talk about like the different kinds of nerds that might be in your life and our recommendations of what's available and what might be out there some of those kind of new releases from our nerd companies and and producers that we share out there it's gonna be fun we do a service
0: you're welcome
1: you're welcome remember to subscribe share and give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts follow us on social media platforms at nerd best friends or send a message by writing to podcast at nerdbestfriends.com.
0: And don't forget to click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to kind of reset your listening list and make sure you get the most recent episode.
1: Yeah. Hit your, uh, hit your app store and look at maybe some alternative podcatchers that you might find, uh, really enhance your podcast listening experience.
0: <laughs> All right, Rob, say hi to Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> nerd <laughs> fight. Thanks for listening. Anyway, that's, that's it,
1: man. That was a great nerd fight episode. Thanks, Andrew. I wouldn't, I would not be surprised if this was a very well liked episode, man. Had to throw Andrew under the bus one more time. I did.
0: I had, I had a bag on him. So when he listens to this, he can be grumpy again.